now when our hostesses will demonstrate her perfect bowling form. She steps up, she wiggles her fanny, and oh, perfect form, lovely form. This could be a strike, it could be a strike. Oh, no, it looks like it's going to be cut ahead. Well, thank you, fat boy. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. If we can learn one thing from this movie, it's that you cannot, under any circumstance, go bowling with a severed head. It just won't work. A trio of scream queens team up to pay homage to monster movies before them. We're still up all night, and this episode, we watched Sorority Babes in the Slimeball bolo Rama. Hello, everybody, and welcome to USA Up All Night with me, Miranda. Hi, I'm Gilbert Godfrey, the comedian in the cupboard for USA Up All Night. In this movie, you'll see two of your favorite stars. Now, if you drink enough beer, you'll start seeing more of your favorite stars. Stay with me on USA Up All Night. Welcome to Still Up All Night, the only podcast dedicated to the films of USA Up All Night. I'm Travis Yates, joined by my co-host Rob, Katie, and Rob, we're back after vacation because sometimes you just have to make time to watch more B-movies. Rob, how are you? I am well. Yourself? I'm doing great. Um, Now, unfortunately, since our last episode, uh, we, we of course learned the unfortunate news that longtime Up All Night host Gilbert Gottfried passed away at the age of 67. Gilbert died after battling a heart disorder. Rob, thoughts on Gilbert Gottfried as we remember him fondly on the podcast? No, just, you know, a sad passing and and, uh, I think an underappreciated comedic voice. You know, he, he certainly, you know, did all this sort of goofy side stuff for up all night, but um, truly was like a, a genuinely funny human being, um, you know, in this character almost all the time, you know, it's rare that you ever heard his, his natural voice. Uh, so yeah, just sad to see another, you know, another one go like that. Yeah. I was introduced to Gilbert Gottfried from, of course, USA up all night and really grew to appreciate his comedy as you referenced just such a such a genuine character as I got older I really grew to appreciate his comedy yeah. of course my time with him though through USA up all night during my very formative years uh, just spending countless Friday nights with him as he distracted me from family problems and social problems and for that I forever remain grateful Uh, the perfect host for such a beautifully quirky show that was USA Up All Night. Just a perfect matching. Um, Rob, when Gilbert passed, his family posted this on social media. We are heartbroken to announce the passing of our beloved Gilbert Gottfried after a long illness. In addition to being the most iconic voice in comedy, Gilbert was a wonderful husband, brother, friend, and father to his two young children. Although today is a sad day for all of us, please keep laughing as loud as possible in Gilbert's honor. And that's exactly what we'll do with this episode of Still Up All Night, dedicated to Gilbert Gottfried. And oh boy, do we have a doozy this episode. It's Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama Rob. It's hard not to think of this movie without its leading ladies, Scream Queens, Linnea Quigley, Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer. 
Here, here to that. So let's um, dig into it. I mean, obviously, one of the most notable things about uh, sorority babes at this slime ball, Bolarama, besides the amazing name, um, is the ladies. So, uh, Rob, this is the first time that this trio of Quigley, Stevens, and Bauer appeared together in a movie. Now, we talked about Linnea Quigley in our Vice Academy episode. She's probably the most well-known of the three, with Brink Stevens a very close second. Uh, Stevens is a model, actress, and a fun fact about her, Rob, she has a master's degree in marine biology from the University of California. She Really? Yeah, she was actually on her way to becoming a scientist with a doctorate in marine biology, but San Diego's Scripps Research Institute kicked her out of the program because she was secretly studying dolphins. So uh, the school receives a lot of funding from the tuna industry, and they told her, the school told her that she had to study seals instead of dolphins. And when the school found out that she was continuing her studies of dolphins, the school booted her from the program. That is a weirdly crazy story. It is. And it comes from a fascinating Fangoria documentary on Stevens that we posted on our Twitter page. She also has a fascination with sci-fi pulp magazines. Uh, She discovered these as a kid. She was a member of the comic book club in college. She attended Comic-Con dressed as Vampirella when she was 19. And magazine editor Forey Ackerman was a judge at that Comic-Con and the two struck up a friendship that eventually led to Steven's first movie appearance. Now, she's gone on to make literally hundreds of low-budget movies, most of them horror. Yeah, still acting today. Still at it. Um, and then Michelle Bauer rounds out our Scream Queen trio here before becoming a B-movie star. Bauer was a penthouse magazine model and appeared in some adult films. She also appeared on the Playboy channel in the mid-80s, which led to her landing a role in the 1986 B-horror movie, The Tomb. And from there, she was often running in that genre. In an interview to promote the um, 2011 documentary Screaming in High Heels, The Rise (laughs) and Fall of the Scream Queen, The trio was asked why they thought the era of the Scream Queen ended, and Bauer joked, because we stopped working, (laughs) which I just (laughs) love that response. But also, um, but they also continue to be active in the movie business, so they really didn't stop working, but I loved her response there. And these three ladies did so much for uh, women in the movie business, and they continue to be friends to this day. And, uh, and like I said, they continue to work. So pretty cool. Absolutely. <clears throat> so Sorority Babes at the Slimeball Polarama was produced by Charles Band and his Urban Classics production company and later released on video by Full Moon Entertainment. And Band is a veteran producer and director of horror films, including 1985's Ghoulies and 1986's Troll. And he's still at it today, most recently with the eighth film in the Evil Bong series. So no, <laughs> no doubt we'll revisit a Charles Band production on this podcast. Have you seen any of the Evil Bong movies? There's like eight of them. I have not. I've been tempted because I, I think some of them are on Tubi, but I haven't made that dive. Although I, I want to say I've heard reasonably good things about a few of them. 
Well, it sounds like no time like the present now to dive into that series. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so sorority babes at the slime ball bolorama. It just you just never gets old saying that. It <laughs> definitely doesn't roll off the tongue. It does not. Um, it was shot on location in just twelve days in 1987 in two main locations: a mall in Carlsbad, California. Specifically, the shops at Carlsbad for our listeners in California that want to add that to the uh, to the up still up all night walking tour and Eagle One Bowl. Rob, they had to film at night when the locations were closed, so we had some uh, real guerrilla style filmmaking here. Which I mean makes sense given the the location. Yeah, and uh, the title for this movie was originally The Imp. And which we'll get into shortly. And um, according to Linnea Quigley, because the bowling alley is what they had access to film in that influenced the name change <laughs> to the uh, rolls off the tongue yes. sorority babes at the slime ball bolorama. Uh, it was directed by longtime B movie director David Dakotu. Uh, he got his start, like so many others, working as a production assistant for Roger Corman and New World Pictures. There you go. A company we're very familiar with on this show. He has some adult films under his name around this time, but his first feature film, Dream Maniac, came in 1986. It was produced by Charles Band. The following year, he'd team up with Band again to direct Creepazoids, starring Linnea Quigley. And And still working today, too, actively. Yes, he is. Uh, here he is again in the third consecutive year directing a feature, this time Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. He would finally break away from working with band with his next film, Lady Avenger. But, Rob, just after that, he would reunite Quigley, Stevens, and Bauer for the unrated Nightmare Sisters. Have you seen Nightmare Sisters? I have not. I'm, I'm not even sure I've heard of that one. Yeah, 89, I believe, was when that one came out. Um, and speaking of ratings, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama is somehow rated R, but it had to be by a cat's whisker because there's <laughs> more than the typical gratuitous boob shots we're used to seeing in Up All Night films. I mean, Rob, this is full frontal nudity and some pretty explicit scenes. Uh, yeah, extended be- scenes as well. It had to be cut pretty heavily for airing on um, USA Up All Night. And I don't remember seeing the VHS copy of this, so it took me by surprise. What was your take on the way the movie really pushed the envelope when it came to sexuality? Right there with you was, uh, you know, sort of, as you said, anticipating sort of the the normal just – quick shots and then to, you know, to, to see what unfolded here, particularly one scene and, you know, the scene I'm talking about, I, yeah, I was genuinely surprised, but, you know, I guess given her background, it, it, you know, makes sense that she's comfortable, you know, (laughs) nude. So, but, uh, Michelle Bauer. Yeah. Michelle Bauer. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And Lisa is her character. And, and yeah, like yourself was, was shocked a little bit in, in, uh, how much, was shown. This was almost like a Skinamax movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very much so compared to what normally aired, yeah. So there's a trio of guys in the movie as well. We've got the nerdy Calvin played by Andras Jones, 
the party boy Keith, who is John Stewart Wildman, and our big funny guy Jimmy, played by Hal Havens. So Jones is probably the best known of this group, uh, and he's known as Rick from A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Um, yeah, Dream Warriors, probably my, my favorite yeah. of the series, uh, just because it's so so fun, uh, you know, in terms of the, the idea behind it. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't place him at first. I was like, man, I, I know that guy from somewhere. And I had to look him up, and, yeah, immediately recognized him then. He also starred in a 2001 Seth Green horror movie, The Attic Expeditions. Are you familiar with that movie? No, oh, haven't heard of that either. It's funny that Jones appeared on the Surfing Monkey podcast several years ago, and while running through his own movies, he was like, yeah, a bunch of other stuff, too. <laughs> Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bullarama was Jones' first ever film. Uh, in an interview with Tony Brown of Hockstatter.com, Jones said about the movie, the hours were dreadful, the accommodations lackluster, and the general attitude of the production team was one of mercenary cynicism. But the cast was funny, gorgeous, and legendary, and I was making 50 bucks a day to get chased around by zombies and eat free donuts. I was a happy boy. <laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> yes. He seems like a really cool dude. He's also a musician and author, and he hosts a live um, show and podcast called Radio 8 Ball. He's had guests like John C. Riley, Weird Al Yankovic, and, and Patricia Arquette on the show. So you have to check it out. Oh, definitely look into that. So this was Hal Haven's first uh, feature movie as well after several one-off TV appearances, including Cheers and 21 Jump Street. Um, also in 1988, Havens appeared in the horror film Night of the Demons and in Witch Trap the following year, but he didn't do much in film afterwards, but he continues his TV appearances to this day with his last one being a 2018 episode of HBO's Westworld, and I think he's appearing on an upcoming Apple TV project, but I'm not sure about the title, so... He looks a lot different today. He's got long yeah. gray hair and a long beard, kind of an aging biker looking guy. Was even in Parks and Rec in one yeah, episode. Yeah. And then John Stewart Wildman went on to write and produce a few projects, but this was probably his shining moment in the movie industry. So whatever that is worth. <laughs> whatever, yeah. So finally, but not least, um, the leader of the sorority here is Babs played by Robin Still. So the world was introduced to Still in 1982 when she starred as Val Bates in Slumber Party Massacre. Mm -hmm. So no doubt we'll cover that someday on the podcast. And uh, I hope movie, to, yeah. Yeah, and that movie also has Brink Stevens. Um, so Still's story, though, is a sad one. She never caught on in this genre the way her contemporaries in this film did. And uh, Sorority Babes would be her third to last film. Her last movie would be American Ninja 4 in 1990. And sadly, she committed suicide in 1996 at the age of 34. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So that's sad. So uh, so that's about it for the cast. Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama had a small theatrical release in January of 1988. I couldn't find any box of office numbers on it. I imagine it was quite paltry. Rob, did you come across anything related to the box office? Uh, nope. I, 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 just as you came up with, with nothing, you know, scoured too, tried, I thought, harder than normal and nothing. Yeah. 
Uh, the movie debuted on USA Up All Night on April 1st, 1989, and it would appear again uh, as the third and final film later that night. It would air a total of a dozen times, the last time on February 21st, 1992. So in a little three-year span there, a dozen times. They crammed it um, in. Yeah. Uh, and uh, check it out, Rob. Linnea Quigley was actually a guest on Up All Night during a 1991 episode. We've got a little sound from her chat with Rhonda, so let's have a listen. Oh, oh, hi, everybody. Linnea and I are just, just chatting. <laughs> Welcome back to USA Up All Night. We're in the middle of Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolarama. What a title. What an epic. Well, this movie is really starting to get good. We've just met the Sorority Babes, and I can't wait to see the Slime Ball. Wait till you see the slime ball. It's slimy. It's like the slimiest. I'm the one that likes to be. Oh, 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 you. Okay. Oh, hi, everybody. Lene and I were just playing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to USA Up All Night. It's my doll, though, and I'm not giving it to you. I know you're my guest, but this is my bondage bear. Now, we're in the middle of sorority babes in the slime ball ballorama, and I don't know about you, but I'm really anxious to see what happens next to Taffy, Lisa, and those nerdy guys. Aren't you anxious, Linnea? No, I was there. I know what happens. And Rob, like a great late-night infomercial that might air after Up All Night, we can say, but wait, there's more. Because <laughs> last year, the sequel, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama 2, was made. And it's directed by Brink Stevens, her directorial debut. Ah, and she also appears in the film, as does Michelle Bauer. And originally, David Dakota was slated to direct, and Linnea Quigley was going to reprise her role as Spider. But when they both dropped out, Scream Queen Kelly Maroney joined as Spider's cousin and new sorority house mother, Auntie Snake. God, I love the <laughs> movies. Rob, what did you think when you heard the news that the sequel to this was made and the clips and trailer that you've seen of the sequel? I was <clears throat> stunned. You know, I, I, you know, initially in, in doing the IMDb just to look at, you know, the cast and, and get some information, the, the first thing that popped up was the sequel. And, I, you know, I thought there was some sort of mistake made. And, you know, lo and behold, it's a real thing. And I watched that trailer and <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it looks interesting. Um, I do. I think uh, it's amazing to me that this many years later, you know, a sequel gets thrown together. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping to check it out at some point. Even Taco, the official mascot of uh, Still Up All Night, is excited. I can hear him in the background. <laughs> yes. Once you start talking about the sequel, he, he's, he gets riled up. Um, stick around for more on the sequel after our movie discussion because we've got a little 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 treat for that related to that. But let's not get ahead of our bowling balls here, Rob, because we've got the original movie to break down first. So let's dig into this movie. Whew, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bowlerama. It opens on our three nerdy college guys in their dorm, Calvin, Jimmy, and Keith, that we talked about just a second ago. They're talking about the Pi Epsilon Delta sorority initiation, or as Keith calls it, the Felta Delta initiation. <laughs> Got a little kick out of that. Keith says he knows the secret location of the initiation, which ultimately just ends up being at the sorority house. So. Yeah, and he's got the, the perfect viewing spot, which, yeah, is just the window. 
Oh yeah, these three guys they si- they sneak over to the side of the house where they can peep through a window to see the initiation ceremony, which consists of two pledges in skimpy shirts and underwear bent over an, a couch being spanked with a paddle uh, by the sorority leader Babs. Um, our pledges here, Taffy and Lisa, are Brink Stevens and Michelle Bauer. And a couple of uh, observations from this initiation ceremony, Rob. First, I got a kick out of Lisa and Taffy talking about how Tri-Delta was the sorority to join at the school. Yet there's only like five members. Yeah. They're only there for like a, se- a split second. And then there's just two of them pledging to join. So this is either a really small school or these girls have been lied to about the popularity of the sorority. Well, I'm going with a really small school. We can't, you know, <laughs> diminish the sorority like that. That's right. Uh, that's right. Um, second, the cinematography in this movie is way better than I expected it to be. Um, there's a cool rack focus shot when the girls are getting paddled. It's a gratuitous close-up of their butts in the <laughs> yeah. foreground with the guys peeping through the window in the background. And as they look on in excitement, the focus shifts from the girls' rears to the guys in the window. And I mean, this is a basic shot in cinematography, but it's something you don't normally see in B-movies like this uh, simply because of a lack of planning, time, or talent. Um, your director of photography for Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama is Stephen Ashley Blake, who made a nice living as a B-movie cinematographer. Rob, it's still up all night test time Uh-oh. all right i got a question for you what okay. uh, what other movie covered on our podcast was Stephen ashley blake the cinematographer on oh, i am absolutely clueless to this um he must come as a package deal with linnea quigley because it was episode four vice academy really yeah well that's okay. interesting I, I think he <clears throat> showed a little more um of his skills in this movie than that one. <laughs> he does. And whether it was budget or what have you. Um, yeah, definitely. This looks a lot better than vice Academy. Um, so the peeping gets quite disturbing when the three guys break into the sorority house and peek into a bathroom while Lisa and Taffy are showering. Now, Rob, a staple of almost every up all night movie we cover is how wildly inappropriate the gags that are passed off as comedy Mm -hmm. come off today i know we discussed this a lot in episode six fraternity vacation but i mean this scene of just a total invasion of privacy made me uncomfortable what about you (laughs) yes uh, of course but it also made me chuckle in that you know just the whole uh, shower arrangement you know of course there's no curtain Uh, (laughs) and and the three you know fully grown men are outside this door peeking through a crack and and remain completely hidden and no one you know hears them fumbling around and uh you know over the the noise of the shower i guess and uh, so yeah i got it you know while simultaneously creeped out the scene did uh make me laugh yeah so the peeping is more of an inappropriate gag here it also serves as the movie's inciting event so Babs catches these boys finally uh, peeping from the hallway and says, as the final part of the initiation, the two pledges need to break into the local bowling alley and bring back a trophy and take the guys with them. So I was wondering during the exposition, like how we were going to get to a bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go. 
But then I was also wondering why a bowling alley? Is it um, a mall? <laughs> and then, right, two things are revealed right after the pledges head off with the guys. Uh, Bab's father owns the mall, and the bowling alley is located in the mall. So, um, but then also we learn that Babs is a total masochist. So let's have a listen to her. You've got more plan than you're letting on, Babs. I can see it all over your face. Honey, did you forget? Daddy owns the mall. Oh, that's right. We can get it so easily. We'll watch our victims on the security cameras. And when they're not ready for it, we'll scare the shit out of them. <laughs> Babs are absolutely evil. And if Lisa and Tabby don't come back with a trophy, which they won't if I can help it, I'll have to think of some other kind of um, <laughs> painful punishment. <laughs> so the gang gets into the bowling alley, and Calvin stumbles across a sexy little vixen who goes by the name of Spider breaking into the bowling alley cash register. It's Linnea Quigley. And I love how off-putting she is towards this group. She asks, what is this, the Midnight Wimp Bowling League? And when she's introduced to Lisa and Taffy, she says, Taffy, if you don't know what's wrong with Taffy, you deserve the name. So (laughs) I got a real, um, just kind of an April Ludgate vibe uh, from Parks and Rec, from Quigley here, this whole movie, and I just love it. Um, and Quigley is buff for this role, like almost Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 buff. Rob- it's funny you say that because that stood out to me as well. I was like, man, her arms look really good. Yeah, what, what were your thoughts overall uh, with uh, Linnea Quigley here as Spider? Well, I just love the the intro. Is it Calvin first walks in and you know she's trying to uh, break into the cash register and what is what does he say something like uh, Do you come here often? Yeah, exactly. So that yeah, I just immediately there there was um, you know charisma between the two of them. They had a good uh, good chemistry. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, they and, did. and that sort of um, at least for me carried the movie largely. Yeah, they the from that point on they'd pretty much be paired up the whole time. So that's good that they that they had some decent chemistry. Yeah, they they were com- t- total opposites. And uh, you know, Calvin is just this super nerdy. You know, got drunk off of one beer at the, at the <laughs> beginning of the movie, um, and then of course Spider is just this um, you know dressed as kind of a biker and and just like I said, just just everything she says is sarcastic with this just off put. <laughs> And at every turn, she's she's pretty much a badass as well. Yes, absolutely. So the gang eventually steals a trophy from the bowling alley. This trophy looked more like the Stanley Cup than a bowling trophy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so true. But, but there's a reason for that. Because when Jimmy drops the trophy, the bottom breaks off and out pops Uncle Impy the Imp. A kind of jive-talking hybrid genie ghoul in one of just the strangest scenes that I can remember in a movie. The creature here is claymation, I think. Um, he looks like a mix between a ghoulie and a purple troll, which is See, funny I, because I thought he was a puppet. Okay, I wasn't sure. I I couldn't tell, but just the way the scenes were shot, it it it, it felt like claymation, like it was they were shooting in increments and then put it all together. Just and I could have been wrong. Uh, it's funny because the movie's producers made Ghoulies and the first Troll movie, so 
That makes like, sense. Yeah. Combine those two creatures and, and, and create an imp. Um, and uh, the, the, the imp is voiced by Michael Sonier. Rob, it is time again for still up all night test time. I'm really putting the screws to you here today. You didn't know there were going to be all these uh, pop quizzes or I think I'm prepared for this one though. Okay. The question is what other still up all night film does Michael Sonier appear in? Surf Nazis must die. All right. One for two. He was Mengele. That's right. In Surf Nazis must die episode 10. If you remember, Rob, I compared him to Michael McKeon as a member of the evil surf Nazi gangs. Um, interestingly enough, the imp is credited as being voiced by Dookie Fleischwater in the movie. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that too. <laughs> um, this is Michael Sonier's alter ego or stage name because he's also a musician and just does some wild stuff. So he's an interesting cat. <clears throat> That's one heck of a name too, Dookie Flyswatter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Uncle Impy announces his presence by saying, old Uncle Impy is just a little bit cranky. No fun being locked up, especially in a bowling trophy. Um, it's really weird the way they shot him because he doesn't really move. He just kind of sits like sitting up on a video game in front of the screen and his head and mouth move when he talks his ears a little bit. Um, uh, That's got to be a, a budgetary thing. So much of this movie, I think there were there were so many you could tell where the where the decisions were made to trim the budget. And well, particularly when they they get to the the kills, you yes. know, they, they huge cuts were were made there to to save money. Yes, and up until the very end, we only see Impy from like the neck up. So yeah, uh, interesting the way that he was shot and just it was kind of weird. Um, Impy offers to grant wishes to whoever let him out. And of course, the nerdy Calvin is the reasonable one here. And he warns against it, saying that the wishes could be used against them. You know, why are you going to trust this ghouly looking <laughs> creature? But hey, Jimmy and Keith, <laughs> sure. of course, don't listen. Um, Jimmy asks for gold. And all of a sudden, several gold bars appear behind them. And then Impy tells Keith he knows what he's wishing for in like the most crudest of ways. He says yeah. he bets he wants to have sex with Lisa. And when Keith agrees, Lisa suddenly appears wearing lingerie and um, she's hot to trot with Keith, as one might say. Um, Rob, again, another uncomfortable moment here as Lisa's about to go off and have sex with Keith, not because she wants to, but because some evil deity is making her. <laughs> Got to hand it to Imp Magic. Yeah. Just yes. <clears throat> so Taffy says that she always wanted to be prom queen in high school. And then, boom, she's transformed into a tiara clad prom queen dancing around the bowling alley. Um, then Spider Again, I can't emphasize how good Linnea Quigley is in this. She tells Empy to eat shit and then <laughs> just leaves um, with uh, leaves with Calvin. Empy then turns his attention to our sorority babes, Babs, and then Rhonda and Frankie, who were these other two sorority girls that came along. Um, they've been watching all along from security cameras in the mall. Um, Impy turns Rhonda into a zombie and Frankie into the Bride of Frankenstein. So it, Which I, th I thought were really odd choices for the movie in general. <laughs> well, see, I thought it was a fun play on monster movies. I mean, we've got a zombie, we've got the Bride of Frankenstein, and her name was Frankie, so it was a play on, on her name. Um, 
Now I didn't, I didn't put that together. <clears throat> I guess that, yeah, that, that makes a little more sense, but it, I just thought the whole time, like, man, that's just a really interesting choice to go with the bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. But yeah. in, in connecting her name yeah, a little, a little better. Impy's he's, he's got a little bit more going on there between the, the, the weird <laughs> ghouly ears than, than we know as, as we'll discuss as we go on here. So Babs takes off running and uh, she can't escape because Impy has electrified the mall exits. So there you go. That's why they're all trapped. Uh, uh, and we Sam, also get introduced to the mall janitor who, uh, yes. who promptly gets trapped in his supply closet by the, by the girls as they exit, you know, one room and, and bump his door shut on him. Yes. Uh, he, he provides some fun uh, comic relief uh, later in the movie. <laughs> he does. We'll, we'll get to the janitor because, the, yes, that's excellent. Uh, ex- excellent character. So zombie Rhonda and Frankenstein Frankie try to kill Jimmy by, I don't know, shoving his face into what I think was a ball cleaner. Is that what that was? I had no idea. I, I, I just maybe, you know, because the judging by, uh, his appearance after uh, that yeah. was all I could come up with too. Came up with blood all over his face. So yeah, yeah. it looked like because then the next time we see him, his head's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is just fantastic. So we learn that Zombie Ronda has ripped off Jimmy's head and goes bowling with it while Impy narrates. It's just a hilarious scene. It was the opening uh, sound clip that we used. It's a zombie bowling with a severed head, which awkwardly rolls down the lane and into the gutter, which Impy then calls a gutter head. <laughs> it's a fantastic scene. And uh, it's by now it's it's made clear what the movie is going for here. It's really good satire of the horror genre by way of a sexploitation film. So great stuff. I mean, it's not a spoof like student bodies. They don't go all in on it. It's yeah. more subtle. So... And I'm a big fan of Impy. I, I was hoping uh, to get more of him throughout the movie. But again, you know, the budget rears its ugly head. Yeah, he'll pop in and out every now and again, quip a one-liner, and then off to the action we go again. So um, I also love that as Frankie goes after Taffy and they struggle in the middle of the mall, the possessed Frankie tells Taffy, you'll never be a tri-Delta girl now. So, you know, as she's in this possessed demonic state, she still references their sorority. I yeah, maintaining uh, some of her, her old self. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a bit like how George Romero sends his zombies to the mall out of just like reflex and muscle memory uh, mm, on a yes. state, making a statement on modern capitalism you know here even the undead still care about who gets into their sororities i loved it so the whole time we've been getting cutaways to this bathroom sex scene between lisa oh, and boy, Pete, yeah. and this is you referenced this earlier where i mean lisa just gets really aggressive with keith i mean she strips down almost all the way um and then Keith all of a sudden grows a conscience and tries to stop her from ripping <laughs> Back out of it, yeah. Uh, so he goes and tries to find some ice to calm her down, <laughs> I guess. And he's just wandering around the kitchen, and he stops in front of an active fryer, just casually eats a fry. So you know what's, you know, you see this coming from a mile away, and Rhonda shows up, uh, the zombie, and shoves his face into the fryer. <laughs> um yeah, I don't. I don't know if you you caught it during the the quote unquote love scene, how red he started to get. 
And, I, and I, you know, I have to assume, I, you know, that the actor was uh, either, you know, I don't know if it's embarrassment or, or uh, yeah, it just was blended some authenticity to the scene. <laughs> yeah, th- this was the scene that belonged on late night Cinemax. This was a very surprising scene, the way how, how far they went with this. Um, Michelle Bauer did reference this in saying, like, talking about how they all had their roles and she was the, you know, she was the sexy one of the group sort of, you know, and given her background with, you know, being in penthouse and that sort of thing, it makes sense. So, yeah, but she was definitely willing to, (laughs) to, uh, to do what she needed to for that, for that scene. So, um, all right. So, um, next Rhonda and Frankie capture Taffy and rip her body in half, which is hilarious because her name is Taffy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but then also it's a very anticlimactic death for a main character here. We see Rhonda and Frankie kind of just pulling on opposite ends of her. And then we just get a cutaway to the next scene. And then like later at, at some point we see half the body sticking out behind a wall. And so they reference the other parts of her is over here. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in that scene. I was really looking forward to how they were going to handle that given, mm-hmm. you know, the budgetary restraints, but uh, it was in the, you know, as you said, most anticlimactic way possible where you just cut to a new scene and come back and, you know, show it's like the, the magician sawing someone in half, you know, the split the box, you know, yep. you just, so yeah, I was I was disappointed in that one. Yeah. It did so, make me laugh though. Yes. So we're down to Babs, Spider, Calvin, and Lisa. Um, the imp corners Babs behind the bowling lanes, and then we we get a full body shot here of him. And um, again, just kind of weird, little ghoulish looking thing. He explains that he's a demon. Uh, and he turned Frankie and Rhonda into demons, but without the spell casting power. And then we, you know, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, the movie tries in showing his whole body and everything, but it's a clunky special effect at best. What'd you think of Impy here and the the explanation of his, his, his him as a demon and his powers and everything? I, I, I just, I enjoyed Impy himself. Yeah, it was, you know, I'm with you that it was a rough looking, you know, puppet, but, uh, I just, I enjoyed his character and, and, uh, I, th- I thought, hey, you know, with what we're dealing with, that's a serviceable explanation. I'll take it. Yeah. He's like a childlike demon. I mean, he really enjoys what he's doing and, and having a lot of fun. F- finds the humor in all of it. He does. He does. Um, okay. So Babs shoves Rhonda onto a bowling lane after a brief struggle. And we get another great shot from Stephen Ashley Blake when Spider sees that Rhonda is trapped on the lane down by the pins. She grabs a bowling ball and the camera glides along with her in a dolly shot as she rushes <laughs> up and tosses the ball down the lane. And, you know, like most of the deaths in this film, we don't actually see the ball smash into Rhonda's face. Um, and, you know, like like we've referenced, the movie creatively hides most of the deaths and uh, Taffy being pulled apart, Jimmy being beheaded. You know, I'm sure they saved a lot of money that would have gone to special effects had they shown all of those deaths, but instead they spent most of their production budget on just that, the film and audio production. I mean, the movie looks and sounds great, um, but the special effects are minimal and not all that impressive. Um, Even, you know, like, for example, as a zombie, you know, Rhonda's face is turned kind of that green zombie look, but then the rest of her (laughs) 
<laughs> it looks normal. looks fine. And it's you so. you know you can easily tell it's like just a few prosthetics you know glued right. to her face. Yeah. Okay, so Calvin and Spider find their way to the janitor's office, and then here is where we meet um, our janitor. He's unnamed. He's just the bumbling janitor here. He was a mall janitor that was locked in a closet earlier, as you as you referenced. This janitor is credited as C.D. LaFleur. It's actor George Flower, who is that guy who was in that thing, if there ever was one. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he was the bum on the town square bench in Back to the Future. He appeared in several of John Carpenter's films, including They Live. He has just such a unique look and sound and has a lot of fun with his role here. What, what was your take on uh, George Flower as the janitor? Uh, and, you know, initially I thought it was a little, um, it was just goofy, just how they, they played it off, you know, with him sort of at every turn sort of missing the kids that are sneaking around the mall and then getting stuck. And, but, you know, at the one final scene near the end with him, with that whole interaction with uh, Spider and Calvin, I, I, he just won me over in that scene where, you know, he's, uh, mishearing everything they're saying uh, uh, i i was rolling at that part and yeah. i really appreciated him yeah mishearing and then like repeating what they said without hearing it yeah th- it was fantastic so um when calvin and spider find him in the office he also serves a pretty good uh narrative purpose because he tells the story of dave mccabe a, sh- <laughs> a short fellow that sucked at bowling as he described it Uh, Until one day he came into the bowling alley and started bowling perfect games. And everyone that laughed at him previously started dying terrible deaths. And when he was arrested for the deaths, McCabe said he used black magic and conjured up an imp to become a better bowler. And things got out of hand. And he tells them that McCabe said he used magic against itself to stuff the uh, imp back into the bowling trophy because when trapped in small spaces, they lose their power. So we get the whole backstory here of um, why the imp was in the bowling trophy to begin with, um, which again, a little touch here that, you know, most B movies wouldn't even take the time to do. It's just like, no, it's just, you know, just is, yeah, every, it's, it's every just happening. Trophy yeah. Might have an imp in it. Right. So this whole thing started because Dave McCabe wanted to be a better bowler. The classic um, tale of, you know, wanting to be a better bowler. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. So Babs has now been transformed into an evil biker looking babe. It reminded me of when Sandra D shows up in all black leather at the end of Greece. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. You know, she's got this big wig with really blonde hair. Um, she, she shows up in the bathroom and paddles Lisa to death with a steel-studded board. A nice callback to the earlier spankings with the wooden Tri-Delta painted Which board. we didn't touch on earlier. Uh, <laughs> a spankings that went on like way too long. You know, they like just played the sound effect every time they cut to the guys. <laughs> and it was like, if that were a real thing, those girls wouldn't be walking for weeks. <laughs> right. Uh, so we are working our way to the climax. Uh, it's Frankie Babs and the imp against spider and Calvin spider finds some gasoline and they decide to use Molotov cocktails to defeat the demon. Uh, Babs shows up and attacks them and Calvin tosses the lit cocktail at Babs 
even though it was like a beer bottle sized, you know, 12 ounce bottle, mm-hmm. Babs goes up in flames like one of those videos of a frozen turkey being thrown into a grease fryer yes. or like a dry Christmas tree lit on fire and then the house Just immediately. Instantaneous. Goes <laughs> uh, this was an awkward scene, a bit overdone. What'd you think of, of Babs? But also hilarious. What'd you think of Babs' fiery death? Well, I mean, you can see where a chunk of the budget went as well. Just, <laughs> just they, they saved up for, you know, making her her death the most, um, you know, special effects laden. Uh, yeah, so, instead of yeah. instead of lighting a, um, you know, a, a, a prop and then just you know stay lingering on it for a quick second. I mean, they hang out, yeah, man, lit on fire you know lumbering around for a good what seven ten seconds it was yeah uh, yeah it was impressive uh so frankie kills our old janitor off screen we don't even get to see his death again just like all the others Uh, and then spider chops off frankie's head sending it flying into the exit door which springs them open so spider points out hey they used magic against magic so a nice touch there um although it was a little um underwhelming i you know i thought in some way that would be how they would defeat the imp as opposed to how they would get out of the mall yeah so calvin then runs out of the open doors to get the car but wait zombie ronda's in the back seat to winch impy jokes monster in the back seat oldest trick in the book <laughs> that, that one got me too i got cracked up because when she first pops up i was like of course she's in the back seat and then he cued that in. Yeah. So uh, while the imp watches Rhonda choking Calvin, Spider sneaks up behind the imp and shoves him into a container that she grabbed from the janitor's office. Calvin crashes the car in another expensive looking stunt here. The car like goes flying That's over right, yeah. in the mall parking lot. So finally killing Rhonda. But being the goody goody that he is, Calvin still took the time to put his seatbelt on in the midst of running from demons. <laughs> So that saved his life. He, he, he survived that car crash. Um, Spider rushes to his aid, pulls him out of the car, and as the sun rises, Spider convinces Calvin to leave the scene, telling him they're going back to her place, presumably to make him a man. Um, so he gets on the back of her Yamaha, and off they go as the camera pans over to the container that they just left sitting outside the mall um, with Impy inside complaining, and he ends with, Hey, you in the front row, you want a wish? Which is <laughs> hilarious. And also hilarious because this only had like a, what, a couple week run in the theaters. If, if yeah, best. best, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Rob, what did you think of our somewhat quick third act here of Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama? Yeah, it was, it was too quick for me. I was looking for a little more imp related, you know, like, as I said, sort of turning his magic against him. Uh, but you know, as, as we've hit on multiple times, I'm sure budgetary constraints had a lot to do with that. Yeah, more imp. Definitely, we could have. <laughs> but I did enjoy breaking the fourth wall at the end, and, and just his character in general was, was very fun. Yes, yeah. Uh, all right, so you now know what we think, but what do others think of this movie? Rob, we've got a bonafide cult classic here. Um, so I was surprised that it didn't have a tomato meter score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it didn't? Um, it doesn't. Now, I mean, you know, critics, they they often, you know, 
yeah raise their nose to movies like this but even you know i thought maybe with this one being as as well known as it is i thought it might have some but it didn't but it does yeah. have more than 1000 audience ratings oh wow so rob from 1 to 100 what do you think the audience score for sorority babes in the slime ball bolorama is on rotten tomatoes one to a hundred. I'm going to go 72. So this is perhaps for me the most shocking of all of our Rotten Tomatoes scores that we've given on this podcast thus far. Rob, it came in at 37%. What? I know. Wow. I, I assumed, you know, because of the cult status, it would, it would come in <clears throat> way more on the positive side than that. Now, I poured through a lot of the, the reviews here, and I a lot of times I'm not sure that people understand quite how <laughs> the ratings should work because they'll, they'll, they'll give it like one star, but then they'll write something nice about it. So, I, I, you know, it's like when it, if it's so bad, it's good. Give it a good rating. Yeah, but they're they're saying it's so bad it's good, and then they're giving it a bad rating. So I think that that's playing, and so it's almost as if the thirty seven percent is a good thing, I suppose, in in terms of the way that people are misreading how to how to rate rate these these B movies. So anyway, I gotcha. so let's let's dig into a couple of the reviews here. So Rick M gives it three and a half stars and writes really bad in so many ways. So he knows. Though, you know, he gave it three and a half stars, so he understands so bad it's good. So good for you, Rick M. He says, says, uh, so bad, uh, or bad in so many ways, 80s horror movie, uh, 80s horror B movie, but just so darn entertaining and enjoyable at the same time. This isn't going to win any awards for the plot or effects, but when you have Linnea Quigley, Michelle Bauer, and Brink Stevens all in one movie, battling a wish-giving imp at night in a bowling alley, you can't go too far wrong. Great fun. So there you go. I mean, that's perfect right there, Rick M. Absolutely. Uh, Glenn S. gives it just two stars and writes, LOL, watch this one in college. Wow, too goofy to be erotic or scary. Uncle Impy is about as terrifying as the alien from Mac and Me. So I liked that. <laughs> call call out to Mac and me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always appreciate so, that. Right, and then uh, we'll 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 end it up here with super reviewer Michael M. He gets us. He he also gives the movie three and a half stars and writes a back of the shelf VHS rental. If there ever was one, what starts as a sleazy sex comedy turns into a sleazy horror comedy that never forgets its audience or its sense of fun. It's gross and dirty and morally questionable, but that's the fun of this brand. What I didn't like was how often it shied away from the violence. Probably a ratings board thing, but when you tease someone in a human tug of war, you better show the results. (laughs) It's not a great movie. It's not really even a good movie, but it is a fun movie. So, Michael, we've already addressed your complaint, uh, and I agree, especially on like Taffy's pull apart death yep. occurring off screen. You, you got to show that somehow. Um, and, and as we said, I think most of those decisions were made for budget purposes. Um, and any movie showing just top to bottom, full frontal nudity. I don't think this was a ratings issue, yeah, but rather exactly. cost of resources and where they decided to put their um, th- their money. Because I want to say I, I read that the budget was 
was less than a hundred grand. Yeah, I didn't find anything on the budget either. So, but that wouldn't surprise me um, either. Yeah. And we can always say too that this this film paved the way for the Wishmaster movie series. There you go, absolutely. Um, and we finally logged what is probably the best titled film from Up All Night, right? At least a tie with Surf Nazis Must Die <laughs> regarding the films that we've covered. So, Rob, do you think it's worth staying up all night for? I think this one is is very mood dependent or or, or um, maybe not mood, but what are you looking for? If you're looking for that sort of classic up all night, hey, I want some gratuitous nudity, this checks that box, you know, <laughs> across the board for that. Um, as a sort of horror aspect, it, it fails there, but it does get the comedy right. I feel so I I'm on the camp of yes it's worth staying up for and I think the name gives it away that we're looking at more comedy than horror oh uh, true true but you know there's always that balance and, and as yes. we said due to the budget we feel like it it fell short in that department yeah, um, yeah. you know with the cutaways and and uh, sort of lame effects Come for the horror, stay for the comedy, I think would have been a good tag for this. Yeah, I absolutely do also think this is worth staying up all night for, for a couple of reasons. Um, It is super campy. It's a lot of fun. It's a bit cringy at times, as all of our films typically are. Um, But I'm also looking at this movie's potential um, and what I think was intended, but didn't quite shine through. I mean, this is a satire and an homage of sorts to horror films and creature features. And with a bigger budget, I think that this could have been to horror films. What like Tim Burton's Mars attacks was for the sci-fi genre. Right. I mean, oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, it, a bold statement, but I think, yeah, I think you're onto something with that. Um, you know, the actors were having so much fun playing these characters just over the top from George Flower as the humorous janitor. Um, Carla Barron played Frankie and just, you know, her shouting, you'll never be a Tri-Delta girl. <laughs> yeah. And then just the sarcastic Linnea Quigley that, that you know, predates the Aubrey Plaza style roles. Um, they had fun. I had fun watching it. If you, um, you know, watch it expecting satire, I think you'll have fun, too. And the writing is just so surprisingly tight for a low budget film. I mean, things like the, you know, we, things we referenced already, but like the character named Frankie being turned into the Bride of Frankenstein, callbacks to previous elements like, you know, using the head of one of the monsters to use magic against magic to break Impy's spell. Um, in most of our movies, so many things are just introduced and then forgotten. Yeah, fall um, to the wayside. And they, yeah. they, they're definitely more thought went into this than some of the others uh, we've covered. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for a film featuring a demonic imp, <laughs> the movie remains cohesive. And I won't say sensical, <laughs> but uh, the characters <laughs> stay true to their motivations, all things considered. Um, and then... Yeah, it's uh, it, it was it was good and close to being great had had they had more resources, but they definitely did the best that the best they could and it, for what they were working with. So, yeah, yeah. 
All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Still Up All Night and Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. Uh, Rob, any final thoughts before we uh, before we put a bow on this one? I, like I said, I you know I it wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be, uh, but I still yeah I had fun with this and and there are a lot of you know little moments in it that that make it a worthwhile watch. I'm the opposite end of the spectrum where it actually uh, was better than I expected. And I don't remember. We didn't we didn't ask this. I don't remember seeing this one on Up All Night. I'm I don't either. Super busy in that three year span. <laughs> Somehow they missed all 12 <laughs> showings. I'm sure I did and just don't remember it. Um, there were so many. So I'm sure a lot of times we've seen these and just don't remember it. Although I feel like whatever. Yeah, I feel one, like, I, you know, with. Linnea Quigley, I, I tended to, I would tune in if I knew she was in a movie back then. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, kind of fresh eyes for both of us. But for me, um, it was it was better than than I expected. So Good. I was pleasantly surprised. So definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, if you have a film that you remember watching on USA Up All Night that you'd like us to dive into, let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Still Up Podcast. And remember, please, the next time you see a bowling trophy that's big enough to fit an imp inside it, don't open it. (laughs) All right, we'll leave you with the trailer to the just-released Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama 2. It's available now on the Full Moon Features website, fullmoonfeatures.com. Enjoy. Shall ever fulfill the needs of a sister. No man shall ever fill the void of a sister. Welcome to Pi Epsilon Delta. The house has a curse on it. Here we go again. One pledge night, your sister spider accidentally unleashed something evil. These chicks are full on free spirits. <laughs> the three of you are gonna drive us somewhere. You kicking in for gas? It's just a little debauchery in the bowling alley. The bowling alley. You all know the sordid history of the Pi Epsilon Delta sorority. Your task is the very same one given to those sisters all those years ago. Steal the trophy, and with it, bring back glory to the Pi Epsilon Delta sorority. Yes! First, we have some fun. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we We bowl. <laughs> Whatever it was that was released caused a night of terror. Found it! <laughs> what? what? The hell is that? Sultan Almighty, I'm free at last! <laughs> I want to be a famous rapper. Your wish is granted! <gasps> Your dreams is just behind that door. I'm not playing your game. Don't leave now. You'll miss all the fun. <gasps> you are all so mine. So, so mine. Choose your words wisely. I can smell.